Bring it in. Read Option Pod back. Another episode getting you ready. I don't know why I just hit announcer voice there. Getting you ready for getting week you ready. Getting you ready for week seven uh, of the NFL season as well as week eight of college football. Scotty is here. I just did the Kenny sure Boy. I just did the Kenny Boy impersonation of Jeff doing the podcast right there. <laughs> that was a dude. My man Scotty's here. Uh, that's a that's a bad inside joke, which is always good for podcasting. Um, but Great yeah, no, we got a great thing. Vito Vito was in the Big Easy, which I think we alluded to on Tuesday's pod. So no Vito today. Did, he's, yeah, he's currently in the air somewhere as we're recording. Uh, 4.30 on a Thursday, getting ready for Thursday Night Football tonight. Saints-Cardinals, the return of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and an all-around pretty boring slate. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the games are going to be boring. The games will probably be pretty entertaining because the NFL has been so um, – has had so much parity this year. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm super excited for this weekend because it's football and – any weekend we have football is a good weekend. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm with you, man. Because yeah. like when I was doing the uh, little uh, BTS behind the scenes, we uh, we keep a tracker of all the uh, the picks we make against the spread here on the on the read option podcast. And as I was filling out the uh, the sheet, getting it prepped for uh, for us to make our picks, there's two home dogs, and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the the whole slate as I was typing in the uh, the the matchups just looked really boring and usually that just means that there's going to be chaos this week so who knows yeah i mean it's the same thing with college right that's what made last weekend in college so interesting now i also want to clarify with people because uh we recorded a whole like 25 30 minute thing about college football on tuesday's pod that we did not end up being able to keep because the recording uh on my the recording got screwed up so basically we had to go in if you heard my voice kind of change uh, at the end, when we switched to the outro, that's because I had to record that after the fact. So we will touch on a little bit of college football here as well. Um, but last weekend, what made college football so great was that it was so highly anticipated because the matchups looked awesome in all but your boys, Penn State and Michigan, you know, Penn State and, and that game against Michigan. All the games lived up to the hype. And it was honestly one of the better weekends of college football we've had in a while, which is why I was pretty pissed off that we weren't able to keep the uh keep the audio that we did from it but it happens unfortunately it's the the life that we live and we're all busy doing other things too so you know we can't always all hop on together at the same time whenever we want if we did this full time maybe that'd be different if you want to sponsor the pod you let us know uh but amazing amazing week give us a call football (laughs) 10 yeah tennessee phenomenal uh, obviously that game was incredible against Alabama, the TCU Oklahoma state game. What a comeback TCU and Sonny Dykes. They're absolutely rolling. Yeah. Uh, former and, Cal bear head coach. Yeah. Is, that Fort Worth? is that where TCU is? Yeah. Yeah, it is Yeah, down to Fort Worth. Yeah. Former Cal bear. Um, and obviously what he's done at SMU, he's a friend by proxy of a friend of the pod, right? Because our boy Grant Calcaterra yeah. played for him there and, uh at smu last year so a whole lot going on and i'm like i said you know college football lives up to the hype this week in the nfl this happens in college football too the slate looks bad and that's when you have to expect the most upsets however in the nfl like every single week has been crazy upsets we haven't had a single week that has it seems like oh this has gone chalk which is partially why i'm getting my ass kicked right now in our picks for the season 
Um, in addition to, I, you know, I've, I mean, though you put your picks in last week, but uh, nonetheless, I'm excited. We should always be thankful that we have football going on right now. Um, even though it's not the best slate, but we also, I mean, what are the teams on the buy? It's Eagles, Bills, Rams, Rams. Um, there's one other oh team. Gosh, I said it yesterday too. I have it here and the Vikings. So between, oh, wow. between those four teams, there that's are a lot of wins. <laughs> yeah. Whole lot of wins. I think there's five losses, one for the Vikings, one for the bills, and then three for the Rams. So, um, a combined record. I mean, these are at least three of the best teams record wise in the NFL and zero the for the Eagles. Just of, want to clarify. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's go birds. Um, <laughs> and the Rams say what you will, but they are at least interesting and they have big names and, and no, they're not given the talent they have on that roster. They can beat anybody any week. Um, which again, that's kind of how the NFL has felt, uh, for the, by the way, I, I know we, we let off, we have uh Cardinals saints tonight. Did you see, uh, cause I mentioned the return of Deandre Hopkins. He posted a video on social media today. Uh, oh no, I didn't see one today. I did see one, um, a couple of, uh, it might've been last Sunday where he was, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, recording himself, basically, uh, filling in his fantasy lineup. And it, it was just like one more week till you get me. <laughs> I w- And I saw that. But I didn't a, see today's. Yeah. That's a, that's a funny tweet. What he put out today was like a, you know, major setback for the, for a huge comeback kind of thing. Right. Like he literally, it was like a minute long video hype video of him coming back. And, I don't know. It, it bothered me only because like you got suspended, dude. Like this wasn't like, like you broke the rules. You tested positive for an illegal substance. That wasn't, if it was weed, then I'd be like, all right, cool, man. Post all the videos you want. But like he got suspended for using performance enhancing drugs, which he can cry to the you know cows come home that he didn't know he took it or whatever, but he still got busted for it. And he's acting as if like, he's a guy who missed a year and a half because he was in a car accident or because he tore his ACL and he's like, you're not ready for this comeback. It's like, dude, you, this was all preventable. All you, all you have to do as a multi-million dollar athlete is not test positive for an illegal substance. Yeah. Like, it's pretty also, easy. Yeah, and also your team is terrible. Do you really think you're going to be the savior of that team? I, I think mean, it'll help. I do think he'll help a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've had him stashed on my bench in fantasies. You know, I drafted him late because he was kept sliding. I said, hey, you know what? Why not? We'll just we'll throw him on the bench there. And now I have too many wide receivers, but if he ends up being anything like the D hop, but we've seen over the last five years, then he's going to be one of the most valuable players in fantasy, but also one of the best players in the league. And he does kind of serve exactly what that team is missing, which is a true like X wide receiver, a guy who can go out, isn't afraid to block. Um, and then obviously them losing Marquise Brown, he's listed as out indefinitely. Um, a lot of speculation is that he's done for the year, but who knows, maybe yeah. if they come back and make we- a playoff run, but at two and four right now, we did talk about that a little bit last week or uh, earlier this week, right? And uh, and I think the the consensus was that we saw that he came out in a walking boot. X rays were negative, but then they came back and said that Hollywood Brown had a fracture in his foot. Yeah. Um. So somebody's lying to me, and he's yeah. on my fantasy team, and I don't like it. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Two to four weeks or the season, like there's no what what there's kind no of middle ground. Nope. What kind of scale is that? Like, get out of here. Yeah, it's all it's all over the place. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he will help that lineup. Uh, do you want to talk a little Monday Night Football before we get into the picks here, too? Because That game feel, was terrible. I mean, I mean Russell please. Wilson is terrible. Uh, Russell whole, Wilson is uh, yeah. awful. The Broncos dude. offense is bad. The, you know what I was impressed with was Denver's defense. 
Oh yeah, like they keep Completely they agree. keep proving they keep proving to me that no matter who they're playing, they're going to keep you in the game. Um, and, and honestly, if I were them, I'd be the most mad at at Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in the offense. It's like, dude, we're doing literally everything we can to keep us in this game. All you have to do is score one touch, just one, yeah, please, and and, and we'll be fine. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really impressed with their defense uh, on the Chargers side, on the offensive side of the ball. Justin Herbert uh, is doing what I said he had to do with banged up ribs, just dip, dink and dunk to, to Austin Eckler. Um, and we saw a lot of that. Uh, Eckler had 10 catches in that game. But the thing is, his um, arm strength isn't, I mean, he's playing no, it's not through that. the pain, it's, but like, yeah. I, I, honestly, he doesn't look any different. Like, and maybe that's a credit to him for playing through the pain, or maybe that yeah. it's gotten better. Cause I mean, he got that injury in week two. So it has been yeah. like a month since he's had that. A, a big part of that is the offensive line, though, Jeff, is, is the fact that he has less time with all the injuries they have on the offensive line. He has less time to throw. And it sort of looks like his rookie year, uh, even his first two years, where we we're like, uh, oh my God, he's like one of the best uh, quarterbacks against the blitz. And it's like, nobody's blitzing. They're just getting to the quarterback yeah. because. Like the the offensive line is terrible. So. One of the best quarterbacks against pressure. But I will say, like he's missed. I don't know. I haven't been that impressed. Like there's been moments this year where he's looked yeah. really, really good. Like no doubt, right? And and I know we have our joke back and forth between Burrow and and Herbert, right? And but you took it even another step, and you think Herbert's the best quarterback in the league, which again I think oh, yes. we've shown that's not the case. He's um, going on an MVP run, don't you? He, he's one of the best in the league. I mean, he's really really good and really really talented and I, I love watching him play but he's missed a lot of throws too and maybe part of that's because of the rib injury but i was like that denver team that was the first time that i've really seen um i've really seen herbert get uh kind of kind of i mean did you see by the way i mean he, he definitely didn't look great it was not his best game though it was definitely also his worst game of the year but did you see all that stuff with with DraftKings this week no so Herbert had thrown at least one touchdown pass uh, in 26 consecutive games going into Monday night. And out of nowhere, uh, DraftKings and one other sports book, I forget, did a boost that had uh, Herbert to throw at least one touchdown pass plus 100. When normally it's like my, it was like minus 500 or minus 650 or so. It was something like that. Right. So they boosted it to plus 100. Tons of people like Thousands and thousands of people played this push, you know, this this bonus one that they pushed out there and they boosted these odds. And then he doesn't throw a touchdown pass for the first time in 26 games. And it's like, how the sh- how the fuck do they like, how how did sports books know this? How do they do this? Like, and, and so got guys on the inside, yeah, the tinfoil that's hats, you know, the tinfoil hats all came out there and said, you know, oh, you know, leagues rigged, leagues rigged, all that shit. But I, I think it just goes to show you how good Vegas is. Yeah. Like, and that's why when we, when we look at the spreads each week, like if you track how many of the spreads are dead on, and that's why Vegas lo- doesn't lose many weeks. There's usually only like a handful of weeks in an NFL season where Vegas loses. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I was really impressed. I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, holy 26 consecutive games with a passing touchdown. They just happened to boost this one. One touchdown pass is all you need. Thousands of people bet money on it, and he doesn't throw a passing touchdown the whole game. It was crazy. Uh, but no, give credit, as you said, to uh, – is it Yiro? 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 Do you know how to pronounce the first name? I do not. No, this is I, where we need Vito. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Iro. 
uh, Evero, who is the defensive coordinator, um, he's really good. And I'm not quite sure where he came from either. I don't know much of his background, but he he schemed up a hell of a game there on Monday night. So, uh, no, but Russell Wilson, this is just who he is right now. Um, I, I don't understand why you're giving touches to Latavius Murray over Melvin Gordon. I know Melvin Gordon's had some issues holding on to the football, but he's definitely been more productive than Latavius Murray has, who two weeks ago was playing for the Baltimore Ravens. And like Mike Boone was serviceable too. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, again, Melvin Gordon's better than those guys. Yeah. And if, and the fact that he had three carries in the first quarter and then didn't see the field again. Um, I don't know, man. I want Nathaniel Hackett to work out because he seems like a good dude, but so far he just seems to be hurting himself more than he's helping himself. Like it's, it's starting to snowball a little bit on him where it's just kind of getting bigger and bigger and, as as good as I think Nathaniel Hackett was in Green Bay, and I think he was a big part of that offense, and we're seeing how much that offense has been struggling. And again, we can say it's Devontae, but losing the offensive coordinator who spent a few years working with Aaron Rodgers, like I, I think Nathaniel Hackett probably had a little bit more to do that with that than we realize. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a shame because I think he's done a really good job. Uh, in the past as a coordinator, but maybe he's just not cut out to be a head coach. I don't know. Do you, Some- I, I, that's what I, I was going to just ask you. Do you think, because I've seen this more and more lately, guys who who have served as really, really excellent coordinators, great at their job, and then they hit the top of their field, uh, for so to speak, uh, as a head coach, and they're just not cut out to be a head coach. Like They're much better as a coordinator, um, and maybe that's like, hey, just stay there. like Be the best at that. Uh, you don't need to to escalate any further. I, I don't think everyone personality wise is cut out to be a head coach, man. You know, because essentially what a head coach is, you're the CEO of a company, right? Or you're right. a vice president, right? You're a high manager level of a company. Would you say everyone you you work with who are, you know, your best salesman might be an amazing salesman. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good manager. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good, you know, CEO. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these guys are. Like, I think Russell Wilson kind of falls under that category too. Like, unbelievably talented throws one of the best deep balls in the history of the NFL crazy good athlete I think what we've seen since that Super Bowl run where he wasn't one of the captains he was one of the young guys that I don't think Russell Wilson is cut out to necessarily be the CEO because I think his personality rubs people the wrong way and yeah I, I think Nathaniel Hackett like we see it happen all the time right Vic Fangio right Vic Fangio was an unbelievable one of the best defensive coordinators ever yeah Oh, I know. And and same thing with Venables. Like we're seeing Venables. He was all time defensive coordinator. He gets a head coaching job. He struggled in his first year at Oklahoma. Like some guys just don't have the person. And that's for the record. I do think Venables is going to get things figured out at Oklahoma. But I'm just saying that I do think that transition from coordinator head coach is hard. And I don't know if everybody has the personality for it. And for someone like Hackett, who's very funny and high energy, big personality and like likes to make people laugh. Like a lot of times that's really hard to transition towards head coach now he's being authentic to himself which is the number one thing you have to do and i think that helps but he just may not have the skills necessary to be a really really good head coach in the nfl and to your point i don't know would you rather stay a coordinator for a long time and and make you know all that money or you know and and never try it because the thing is even if hacky gets fired he's gonna get an oc job somewhere you know well yeah but uh, yeah i i i I tend to agree with that, but like, if you know you're good at it, I don't know. I, I, if it were me, I would stay good at the thing that I was good at. 
Yeah, but they also got to those coordinated positions by constantly pushing for better and bigger things, right? Like the reason neither you nor I are coaching on the sidelines is because we're we don't we're the kind of people that don't have that drive, right? We don't have I mean we have the drive in our own respective lives and in other things, but like to get to even a coordinator position in the NFL takes an insane amount of dedication yeah. and work and sacrifice. And they're wired a certain way to get to that head coaching job. And they can get there if they're good at it. But, you know, I'm with you. I, I think, I don't know. I think I would always want to see if I could do the head coaching thing. Like, I, I think if I was in that position, like, I would do it too. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but you could also, like, it's like the backup quarterback being the best position, right? Like, Chase Daniel has, like, the sickest life as a professional athlete ever. He's going to be completely healthy when he leaves football. He has no significant injuries, no concussions, and he's going to walk away with, like, $70 million in his pocket. Like that's and, and all of I think three career starts and like 150 career pass attempts, but he's gonna make 70 million dollars because he's yeah. just a great hang. But again, he only got to the NFL because of how driven and talented and all the hardworking shit he did in high school and college to get to that level and then inevitably be drafted. So um it's it's one of those things where I think regular people, and I say regular, not not as a negative thing, but just as people who aren't pro athletes or talented enough to do that. Like, we're just not wired that way. We're like, yeah, no, I'll be the backup and pull in all this money and have a good time. Yeah. But these guys are wired. They're wired differently. That's what makes them pro athletes. Um, anything else for Monday night that we should dive into, you think? I think that's just no. everything. I don't know. No, it was, it was not great. <laughs> Russell Wilson released another cringe as fuck video. I, I oh did I'm, he? I saw that he said he had Wolverine blood dude, uh, because I, he was healing his hamstring uh, faster than expected. <laughs> his injury—it's such bullshit. Mm-hmm. But one other thing here, and I do want to bring this up because I don't think we talked about this on Tuesday's pod. Did you see the um, Richard Sherman has a podcast? Did you see the clip that was going around between him and um, with Marshawn? With Marshawn, yeah, yeah that I is. Did. So for those who haven't seen it. This this clip was essentially Richard Sherman um, interviewing Marshawn Lynch and talking about Russell Wilson, how he's struggling. And Richard asked Marshawn, like, have you wanted to, like, reach out to him at all and, you know, see how he's, you know, how he's doing, anything you can do to help? And Marshawn, he was his, his basically said back to him, he's like, dude, you know how you have to get in touch with this guy? He's like, and he used different language than I'm going to use. But um, essentially, yes. well, it, boils, it boils down to <laughs> even his past teammates, guys who – won him a Super Bowl like Richard Sherman did in that defense and Marshawn Lynch who won them a Super Bowl as the best player of that offense during the time they don't have direct access to Russell Wilson if they want to talk to Russell Wilson they have to go through his agent they don't even have his personal cell phone number which like no wonder people like I I swear the more we learn about Russell Wilson the more we're going to realize that so much of the struggles he had at the end of Seattle him wanting out the lack, the whole let Russ cook, all that stuff. And now that we're seeing it here in Denver is going to come down to his personality because he's a weird dude, like just flat out. He's a weird dude. And I, I mean, who does that to a former teammate? We, we should, uh, they should be asking the real question uh, to Sierra. What was it like when you were dating? How did you get a, a date set up with him? Uh, did you have to go through his agent? You know, these sorts of things are what keep me up at night. That's a, it's a great point too, because <laughs> Either she's weird as fuck too, or the she's just married to him because he's a pro he's, football player. Uh, she's hot. goodies. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I don't know, man. That is <laughs> that is weird. It is very it is, very it, weird. it is a little off the wall that you're you know, like especially because you know, how many times do we hear about like um how especially from from champions, right? Um, and those are three guys that won a championship together. And and how many times do we hear from other champions that are like, yeah, we're like the best of friends. We do everything together. David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers are always seen at Milwaukee Bucks games uh, just downing beers uh, together, right? Like these are the kinds of things that you see from, from normal teammate relationship behaviors. And if that's the what, you know, was, was part of the, the reason that he uh, sort of – forced his way out of seattle um you know it's it, it's starting to make a lot of sense the the more evidence we learn yeah uh, the older he gets too i mean say what you will about tom brady and there's plenty to say but one of the things that has always stuck around tom brady his entire career is how much of a good teammate he is yeah right and how much of like one of the guys he can be despite open door being yeah one of one of the most famous athletes in the world he's the guy who like legendarily like beat all of the offensive linemen in those early days in new England and chugging competitions. And like, even Chris long is like, anytime I see him, like he still takes the time to come over, say, hi, what's up? Like, he's just a, he's a normal dude in a locker room. Whereas Russ, it, one of the like stipulations in his contract in Denver is that he has his own office in the building away from the locker room. It, it reminds me a lot of um, as a giants, uh, San Francisco giants fan. It reminds me a lot of what Barry Bonds started to do toward the end of his career. Yeah. It was like, put, put my walls up around my locker. Don't talk to me. Uh, I don't want any other distractions. Uh, I'm the best that's done this and, and nobody else needs to, to ask me why. And you know what? Um, he even gets a little bit of more of a pass for that because <laughs> He was He's, a <laughs> dealing with all of the steroid stuff for so long, but B is like the best baseball player to ever live. Russell Wilson is like, what? Maybe a top 50 quarterback of all time. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that number might sound great until like you start lifting off. Maybe he's higher than that. Like it'd be an interesting exercise to try to rank the top 50 quarterbacks of all time, but with one Super Bowl and another appearance and then a whole lot of nothing ever since. I mean, look, I know the, the, you know, the overtime throw against the Packers was sick, but I mean, I don't, I, I, where he ranks is nowhere close to where Barry Bonds ranks. So he doesn't even have the cachet that Bonds I, did yeah. to be a dick just, the way that Bonds Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I meant the, the actions, but yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. apples and oranges, but still like, but, that, but again, that goes to the issue with Russell Wilson, which is that they both were being, him and Bonds are both being dicks. At least Bonds had some sort of a leg to stand on while being a sure. dick. Russ has no justification with being a dick and they clearly just gave him the keys to everything. And it's a little bit of that. Like, and I heard Trent Dilfer talking about this this week that like, if you give a quarterback that much control and that much say, then you're saying that one person is bigger than the team. And I know it's cliche as hell and I get it, but that's one of the things that is a constant in football. And we always like to think, Oh, whatever. No, like that is true. Like it is the ultimate team sport for a reason. And the best locker rooms and Super Bowl champs every year have a cohesive locker room where no one's bigger than the team. And in this case, I think Denver, because they were that starving for a star quarterback, you know, ended up kind of violating one of the most cardinal sins that you can do in the NFL, which is let your quarterback be the bigger than everyone else on the team, despite him, you know, being 5'10". So, uh, 
with that being hey, said, that's average. <laughs> sorry, Scott. Uh, with that being said, <laughs> let's move on here. Uh, let's preview week three or sorry, week three. Jeez. Week seven in the NFL. Uh, like I said, not a great overall um, schedule, but there will be there's some interesting lines in here, too, that we're going to get to. But let's start. Yeah. with Thursday night football tonight. By the time you're listening to this, you will know whether or not we are right. Chance for you guys to laugh at us. Saints at Cardinals. Car- is it Cardinals minus two and a half? It is Cardinals minus two and a half. All right. Somehow. So uh, D Hop returns. We said that Saints. I mean, these are two teams that are in weirdly kind of similar positions. Both, I think, have underachieved a little bit. Um, weirdly enough, I think I like the Saints offense, even with Andy Dalton better. Uh, what I will say is take Saints first half spread, whatever it is. Um, it's probably going to be close to a pick them, honestly. Uh, but the first half spread against Arizona is big. The Saints defense, I said it in the beginning of the year, I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were in the last few years. That has continued. Uh, but you do have Marshawn Lattimore on that side. So I guess he'll be matched up against D Hop. This is a tough one to try to figure out only because I don't know what to expect with D Hop and then with no Marquise Brown. So minimal practice reps between Kyler and D Hop, even though they had played together for a couple years. Um, still limited opportunities for them to get into sync this year. And that offense has just looked constantly incoherent since the start of the year. So I'm, yeah. I am going to lean Cardinals because they have been the Kings of the second half comeback um, as have the saints for a while too, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts here before we make our, no, plans. I'm with you on offense for the Cardinals. I think what to answer your question, what it means is that you got to have a, a really hefty dose of Zach Ertz. Uh, Cause that's where you're going to find gaps in the offense uh, is that linebacking core uh, against the, the saints defense. So I expect Zach Ertz to have a really nice night. Um, apart from that, like I said on on Tuesday's pod, that offense for the Cardinals just looked like everyone's running around with their heads cut off. Um, so look, if 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 Kyler can sort of settle it in, uh, realize that uh, he doesn't have to to heave the the downfield ball to Hollywood Brown, who's now hurt, or DeAndre Hopkins, you can work DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore, and now Robbie Anderson's there. If he's playing he's going to be limited but still you're going to have options in the slot to get the ball out really quick and i think that's where you find success uh in the in the cardinals offense the running game is is just atrocious right now apart from kyler so uh that's where you're going to have have success against the saints defense and on offense for the saints it's got to be camara right we've seen the last two games the when he gets enough touches uh that offense looks pretty decent uh and and it with not a lot of names on it. And so we'll see. I mean, Chris Olave is still banged up. Uh, don't think he's going to play tonight either. Uh, but, but yeah, you got to go through Camara. Um, and, and it's been that way for years and nothing's really changed uh, so far. So yeah, I'm, I am going to take Cardinals though, since it, it is relatively a pick them um, uh, leading at home with the home team um, there in Arizona. It's, it's hard numbers wise, man. Like Andy Dalton's terrible against the spread in prime time. I think he's something like 0-7 or something, and the Cardinals have lost eight straight home games. They got to win one at home, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's bad. So uh, if And this is a game, too. We talked about a, a little bit about Cliff Kingsbury last week. If if this is a, a game, it seems to me like this is a game-saving job for him right now because if they lose this one, I think you're having serious conversations uh, this weekend about whether or not to retain him. I think you're 100% right. I mean, 
this is a must win in a lot of ways. I mean, it's a must win for both teams. I mean, both teams are sitting at two and four. Um, Saints came in as one of those underdog teams that people thought, hey, could this be a dark horse to win the NFC South? Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, and obviously the Jameis injury hurts a lot too. Can they get weird and put in Taysom Hill and get the running game going between Taysom uh, or maybe even running a little, you know, wildcat with him, which it, it's hard to even call it wildcat with Tatum. It's, it is more like the traditional option, um, you know, kind of read option game and get Kamara going. Uh, but again, with Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, those are tough guys. And those are guys that can, you know, run down a Taysom Hill uh, out in open in the open field. I I'm going to take Arizona here minus the two and a half. I'm with you. Um, I don't love the pick, honestly, but at the same time, I think because two of their wide receivers are going to be D hop and now Robbie Williams, neither one of them got to practice with the team before this week. I feel like they're going to simplify the offense significantly and being able to simplify the offense, I think will actually make things easier on Kyler because it's kind of that thing of like, Hey, like what Dallas has gone through, you lose your starting quarterback. We have to simplify our offense, get back to the ground and pound, try to establish the run and then make things easier for him. Bootlegs, you know, play actions. And they probably won't be that simple, but the route combinations between D hop and Robbie Anderson, I think is going to make a big difference. So I'm taking Arizona. I'm with, yeah, I'm with you, as I said, but it's the video game analogy I always bring up. And, Ky- yeah. you know, it's perfect for Kyler, right? Like, I remember a, a simpler time when all I had to do was press one of four buttons on the PlayStation to get my ball to a receiver. Yeah. I bought the new Madden. I'm doing like 15 different things with my hands for really? one play. And I'm like, what is happening? And so it's it's kind of that scenario for Kyler where that's what's probably going on in his head while he's he's trying to process a play. And it's just like, dude. Just press the X button. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get it out quick. Uh, and because they have to figure they've been so bad in the first half. And it's not until the second half when they kind of just let Kyler run around. It's just it's been a complete mess. So I think they get things right. I think they get things simpler, s- simpler. And they also haven't been feeding Zach Ertz as much as they should, which I think is a big missed opportunity. Well, so. yeah, and last I mean, last week, seven catches, 70 yards. So, that, I mean, like I said, that's got to increase. And I think there's a good opportunity for that tonight. And if you do that and D hops back and, and you can still keep Ertz in that ballpark, that helps you a lot offensively. Yeah, 100%. But then again, they also scored nine points last week against the Seahawks, who have a terrible defense. So uh, we'll see. Maybe the Saints pull it out. Uh, next up here, starting on Sunday morning or Sunday early afternoon, rather, depending on where you live, uh, Falcons at Bengals. This is a fun game. Uh, Falcons coming off the huge win against the Niners. Now they're going on the road <sighs> in Cincinnati. Bengals are six and a half point favorites. It's looked like the Bengals kind of got right a little bit there. Uh, I think this is the start of a little bit of a run. I think it's a letdown spot for Atlanta. Now Atlanta has been really good running the football uh, I can see them keeping this close. So I'm open to the idea of a Falcons cover. They are, as they currently stand, 6-0 and against the spread. So they are looking to try to cover this. I might go Atlanta just to see them go 7-0, and but I'll, I could very easily be the jinx with how my picks are going this year. So uh, <laughs> you are on who, Scotty? Uh, that streak has to end at some point. Look, the Falcons have looked good for all the reasons we talked about in Tuesday's podcast. Marcus Mariota leading the charge, too. Um I don't think they're going to have the opportunity to get their receivers involved, which means they're going to have to lean on the run game uh, that runs through Marcus Mariota, uh, which is going to be a problem with how good the the Bengals defensive line has looked uh, since week two. Uh, so I, I'm going to take the Bengals just because they look, you know, a, 
on defensively, they're getting there. And on offense, I think last week they had a breakout. Uh, so I, I'm on the Bengals. I, yeah, the, I think they're going to have a huge offensive game. The Bengals have opportunities. AJ Terrell having a bit of a down year, and they lost their other starting cornerback um, to an elbow injury last week. So they're going to be down at least to at least one backup wide receiver or backup cornerback going up against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, which definitely favors the Bengals. Um, the D line for Cincinnati has uh, has looked pretty good. The D line for Atlanta's looked pretty good. But the one thing that helps neutralize a good defensive line is running the ball straight at them. Um, keep them on their toes, which is something Atlanta does well. Well, so did the Niners. <laughs> That's true. But the Niners were also banged up and and true. they were able to you know run the ball pretty well. So I do think this ends up being a breakout game for Cincinnati. I'm very torn on this one because I I mean Atlanta's kept everything so close, but I'm gonna take the Bengals because I just think the secondary is so banged up on Atlanta. And I think the Bengals offensive line has gotten better and better each week. So I think Burrow's gonna have time to throw. Um, he's had good memories there. Uh, oh, I was, I thought it was in Atlanta for a second. Nope. Sorry. Uh, no, it's in Cincinnati. They're home. I'm I rocking with there the Bengals. <laughs> and it's going to be a, uh, well, yeah. in in Cincinnati, it was like, but they're, they're going to be a good, um, good team here. Uh, I like the Bengals. All right. Next up Detroit lions at the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys, seven point favorite at home lines coming off of a bye week, uh, seven point favorites for Dallas. And, the Lions keep a lot. I mean, other than the game against New England, they've kept every single game to a one possession game. And I think they have a good chance of doing it again here. Now, again, similar to the uh, um, we were just talking about there with the Bengals and the Falcons, the Lions can run the ball. It looks like they're going to get DeAndre Swift back likely, even if he doesn't carry the total load, it'll still be him and Jamal Williams. And that offensive line gets another week of rest going up. I mean, I still think the Lions have one of the top three offensive lines in football. So giving yeah. them an opportunity to go up against, um, you know, Micah Parsons to Marcus Lawrence at least gives them a fighting chance. And I still do not believe in Cooper Rush. However, that line's defense has been bad. So Cooper Rush might throw for five touchdowns. I don't know. Um, I'm going to take the Detroit Lions here to keep it close, even though the Cowboys are coming off of a loss. But seven points is a lot. Uh, and I think, I don't know, I feel like we haven't heard from Aiden Hutchinson in a little while, and he had that one three-sack game in week two, and we haven't really heard much since. I think this is a big Aiden Hutchinson game, uh, and I think the defense steps up there for the Lions because you know that uh, was Aaron Glenn, who's the uh, defensive coordinator for them, and uh, Dan Campbell is biting in to that defense in Detroit. So I, I'm taking the, and the kneecaps Lions and their kneecaps. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Detroit to cover the spread. That uh, I, I think you're right that that the the defensive line for the Lions has to step up. The the only pushback I would have there is that last week what we saw from the Cowboys offense, uh, whether Cooper Rush is in or Dak is in, you need to get Zeke going uh, because when they did that in the third quarter, that's when the Cowboys started to look like a really dynamic team, and it opened a lot up for Cooper Rush to throw, even more so if Dak Prescott's back. Uh, he'll be able to to throw the ball to the, to their their receivers um, on on offense for for the Lions. I expect that they'll be better because they they had a week to get healthy. Uh, but you know, one of the the big things about the Lions is that we've talked about is uh, on defense that they're they're able teams are able to exploit their secondary uh, and, and just sort of drop receivers in uh, into folds like uh, behind the linebackers for for example and just or just let guys walk around 
and, and draw coverage uh, over over to their side uh, if it's deep even. So uh, the fact that Michael Gallup is back, I think, is huge in this game for the for the Cowboys offense because he's one of those guys who can uh, who can help draw some attention and uh, and maybe Dalton again with the tight ends. Uh, there's a theme for me in this this week. It seems like, but Dalton Schultz can can drop into some some of those coverages and 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 pick up some chunk plays. Um, I do like the Lions though because their record off buys over the last decade is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, plus, they're really good against the spread uh, <laughs> in, in those games as well. So I like uh, I like the Lions here. I I I think a touchdown, like you said, is is a lot, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Dan Campbell uh, and and Jared Goff and the boys. <laughs> All right, we're both on Detroit. Moving on. We have the Colts and the Titans. This is for first place in the AFC South. The Titans right now, if the season ended, would be the three seed in the AFC, which is, you wouldn't quite think about that, right? Not Probably not what you would have guessed. I mean, maybe if, if you get asked someone that question, they would have figured that out. But um, Titans two and a half at home. The Colts have looked better over the last couple of weeks. How long does this trend go? I don't think you can trust Aaron, uh, Matt Ryan to throw for 58 attempts again in back-to-back weeks. Um, Not against that secondary, no. <laughs> the secondary for uh, for Tennessee is really good. The defensive line, especially in the middle, is really good. Still no Jonathan Taylor, correct? Or is he? I think he's still a questionable. So he's still a questionable. Yeah, might be a game time decision there for uh, for JT to return. If he does, I mean Jeffrey Simmons, I think is the best defensive lineman that nobody talks about, and he played at Mississippi State too, right? Uh, I believe so. Mississippi yeah, State or Texas A&M, but because what I was going to say is. He reminds me very much of Fletcher Cox when mm. Fletch was first coming out and all of a sudden became dominant and nobody talked about him or considered him to be one of the best guys, but just consistently put up ridiculous numbers year after year and was such an impact player. It wasn't really told the Eagles won the Super Bowl that people talked about Fletch in that kind of a light. I think Jeffrey Simmons, who they both went to Mississippi State, which is why I find it funny. Um, Jeffrey Simmons has become that guy. Right, underappreciated because of how good all the other edge rushers are. Plus, Aaron Donald's still there, right? Um, and you have guys like Chris Jones who get a ton of spotlight. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best, if I'd say top three interior defensive linemen in all of football right now. And he's going to make things hard to run the ball at all in that offense. You're going to have to double team him. They still have good edge rushers. They still have a good linebacking core. And that secondary is good. And we know how well coached they are coming off of a bye week, too. I'm all in on Tennessee minus two and a half. Uh, I think they win this game by a touchdown or a field goal late because I do think, um, look, it's it's a divisional game, right? So those games typically end up being close, but I like the Titans. Yeah, if Jonathan Taylor's in, it is oh, the is. only way. No, I'm saying if he is, no, if he is. Uh, is, is the only way that I would switch that. But I'm with you. I, the Titans have Derrick Henry. <laughs> like, it, it, it in uh, an offense that isn't predicated on passing and shouldn't be with with uh, Matt Ryan where he's at in his career. Uh, Deion Jackson had an amazing game last week. Yeah, amazing for his first game of the year. He's, he uh, he played really well uh, for for the Colts. But you know, with Jonathan Taylor in there, it just makes it so much more dynamic. I don't think they have that. I think. Uh, you know, for the Titans offense, getting getting the ball out in the in the passing game has been a struggle, especially with uh, with Traylon Burks and and uh, Robert Woods both struggling. But like, 
the end of the day, you still have Derrick Henry, and he's still one of the best backs in the league. And I still think that he is has the ability to go off at any point. Uh, and that and, Colts and defense has been super disappointing this year. Yeah, it's not you know, it's the D line. And we knew the D line was an issue for them coming into this year too. The linebacking core. Sec- I mean, Shaq, Shaq Leonard's still a stud, but he's still that like hybrid outside linebacker safety yeah. guy. Like he's not going to help. He'll help a little bit against Derrick Henry, but he's really the only guy on that defense that scares you. Yeah. Like we yeah. can play and the if- game, name three people on the Indianapolis, you know, defense right now, other than Shaq Leonard. I know Rodney McLeod is there. I honestly, I struggled. I would have to look up DeForest Buckner, I think, is still there. Yeah, Defoe, former Niner. Yeah. So, Rocky Sid, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know. Um, I like I liked Tennessee a lot. I mean, I think that's I think that's one of my favorite picks of the week so far. Wow, we're, we're four for four today, bud. Are we lined up here? Well, mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a feeling that one's going to change here with the next game. Uh, we have the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field against the Commanders. The Packers are a five-point favorite on the road, and I know people at home are going to be like, Go ahead and say it, Scotty. Jeff, I care about you. Don't don't bet on the on the Packers to cover a big spread again. But you know what, Scotty? I am going to pick the Packers here to cover another spread because there's no way that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and this team go three straight weeks playing like shit and losing to inferior teams. Say what you will about the Giants. I know they're five and one. I know they've come off to a good start, and we're going to get to them in a second because they still haven't gotten the respect nationally that they probably deserve. But that's again. Brian Dayball getting the most out of his teams as possible. Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team is more talented than the Giants. The Giants were better coached that day. Last week, the Packers lose to the Jets. Again, I believe Green Bay has more talent on that roster. The Jets played better, had a couple of breaks go their way, and were better coached down the stretch in the second half. The Packers are not going three in a row with everything going on. Did you see the story that came out about the – the fan that won the 50 50 lottery in week one for Washington, <laughs> the check that bounced that they got, they classic gave a Snyder check that bounced in addition to, and, and that's like the lighter of the stories that have been going on in Washington this week, where you have um, Jim Irsay, the owner of the, of the Colts just flat out calling Dan Snyder out and saying that there's multiple owners who would be in support, including himself and saying that Dan Snyder should be removed from the uh, owner's group and should no longer be the owner of the Washington football team or Washington commanders yeah. or whatever the hell that they are anymore. And well, didn't it even come up on the, on the Thursday night game? Uh, I know yeah. Al Michaels made a comment about it too, well, because that game was so boring that they, yeah, <laughs> they had to just, throw something in there. I on can't, the broadcast. I can't imagine. I mean, look, Taylor Heineke is getting the start, right? So anytime you get a Heine, little Heineke action, which I don't know why they wouldn't start Sam Howell. Actually, I do know why Ron Rivera is trying to save his job. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> That's the only reason, really. And Heineke you, gives you a better chance to win right now. Yeah, he does. The fighting Heineke's. Uh, and he's the reason, Jeff, why I'm not with you. I'm going to take the commanders. Both these teams are two and four against the spread this year. But the fighting Heineke's are coming back with a vengeance. They're saving Ron Rivera's job. And they're going to be able to move the ball against that poor Packers defense so far. Uh, they haven't and- been poor. They've just disappointed from what their expectations are poor they're not gonna have to run the ball uh they're not gonna ask a ton out of out of brian robinson or uh or antonio gibson who's now benched apparently uh so they're they're gonna they're gonna rely on taylor and uh and taylor gets job done he uh he's a scrappy guy scrappy player and he's gonna he's gonna be the one to uh to get them the win at home against the mighty green bay packers you think they're gonna win outright 
Yes, I do. Wow. So you think the Packers will be three and four? That's with right. Losses so, to the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. That's right. I do. Wow. I, Sorry, Jeff Martz. I don't think I. I can't imagine, man. Lafleur is too good of a coach. Um, and look, I get it. Home dog, Washington. I think is playing better. I mean, but again, like their only win this year was against Jacksonville, who has proven. Raymond in your cram pipe, Lafleur. Did not be <laughs> good. Good reference. Good <laughs> reference. All right. Well, I like Green Bay. Uh, and Rodgers, like I said, they they can't continuously be this bad. Uh, next up, the other t- one of the other two teams, uh, with the Rams being the third, who are uh, disappointing this year in the NFC. We have the Bucks, eleven point favorites at Carolina. Um, this is one I considered for my under, but at some point, Tampa Bay has to look better, right? Like at, at some point, the Bucks have to put it together offensively. And 11 points is a lot, and I know, I believe, I saw Sam Darnold got activated to the the roster this week, but I still think it's P.J. Walker who's going to be starting on Sunday. Um, though uh, though Sam Darnold has um, been practicing the last couple weeks, but he's uh, it's mild and, like, only a little bit. But he's back on the active roster. I don't know, man. I The over-under is set at 40 with the Buccaneers projected to win – by 11 points i mean it could very easily be like it could very easily be like a 20 to 3 game or like kind of like the uh the game against uh dallas in week one that was 19 to 3 that tampa bay won like i could very easily see it being that way which is why i like the under in this game too but do they cover the full 11 depends on how bad we think carolina is right um what we saw the last i mean if if steve wilkes is smart He'll look at what Atlanta did last week with uh, Mariota and the uh, who is the Hunley, the backup running back there in Tampa Bay, and they were Caleb able to, Huntley, yeah. you know, they were able to run the ball against a, uh, a really good San Francisco team, and then even the week before that, they were able to run the ball with Cordell Patterson, and then Hunley after Patterson got hurt, running that read option stuff, and you have a quarterback and- in PJ Walker who can do that, who is mobile, who can pick <laughs> you up some yards. I feel like that would be the move for Carolina because I don't think this Bucks defense is as good as it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. And similarly to the running game, the Panthers and and the Falcons, they have Christian McCaffrey, who I'm not comparing Christian McCaffrey and Cordero Patterson by any means. Just don't get that twisted. But they also have Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman, who are two very serviceable backs uh, who can come in and switch the pace up uh, just like the Falcons did uh, against the Niners. Uh, defense a couple weeks ago. And they got rid of uh, locker room cancer, Robbie Williams. Yeah, well, that was or wild, Robbie by Anderson, the way. We didn't, we didn't talk enough of that. The Robbie Anderson we, thing? Yeah. We didn't talk enough about that on Tuesday. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, like, it was like the, uh, like the, the lesser version. I was trying to come up with a better word, but just the lesser version of the Antonio Brown thing. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't and as, as what's dramatic. crazy is because we saw the AB, you know why we didn't make a big enough deal about it is because we saw the AB thing happen last year. And so it kind of, it's like when you tell somebody to guess like, yo, do you know how much money, you know, so-and-so made in his NFL career? And someone guesses like $400 million and the answer is like a hundred million, you know? And it's like the two are just so far. It kind of ruins the answer. Like, oh, well you ruined it. Cause you made it, you know, you <laughs> why'd know, you, you ask it that it way? For me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and the thing is, too, it was so funny. My wife asked because we watched that happen live on, well, not live. It was on the red zone and, and Scott Hansen was pointing out. And so, uh, I think, what was it, Monday or Tuesday, he got traded. 
My uh, wife asked m- me Monday. Pretty sure. Yeah, my wife asked me what happened to uh, whatever happened to that guy uh, who got kicked out of the game by his by his own coach, and I was like, traded him. Yeah, immediately like, what? <laughs> yeah that was uh that was quick and they got a couple of draft picks for i think they got like a fifth and a sixth for him which yeah all things considered for someone that the entire league knew you didn't want anymore um which again i think that's also a big reason uh, or a big tell for what's going on with the hollywood brown injury well, but yeah so and, and i think too with robbie anderson like the 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 way he conducted himself in the in the offseason when they traded for Baker Mayfield, it was like, dude, come on. Like, that's yeah, I think like, he's proven part himself. of the team. <laughs> this is kind of who Robbie Anderson is. Um, we've seen yeah, him. He did of, it in New York. He yeah. did it in New York, he did it in Carolina, and now we're we'll see if he continues it. Which, like, hey, you want to get Kyler some help, the guy who never seems interested in winning football games, you know, and would rather play Call of Duty. Uh, let's bring the let's bring a guy who has got a terrible reputation around the league in and see how that yeah, works. In the out. minute he doesn't get the ball seven times a game yeah. he's he's gonna be like, um oh, let, let me ask you this do we think carolina because sometimes we see teams start to a one and five start right like detroit last year um that end up ha- that end up being decent teams you know and the panthers defense has looked decent a, a bunch of times this year and, and they've been in some games this year um but do we think carolina is a one in 16 or a, a two and 15 level bad or do we think they're like a five and you know third or five and 12 bat you know because that to me is like carolina could be bad bad this year yeah or they could just be like pretty bad and still you know we've had years where the first overall pick the team has three or four wins so what version of carolina is this because if it's bad bad then i'm gonna take tampa bay in the points but if they end up being and this is one of those again where it'd be like we'll be looking back on week 15 and I'm like, I can't believe I picked the Panthers to cover against Tampa Bay when it was an 11. Like, what How? <laughs> what was I thinking, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think they're – I'm with you. I think they're the four and five win type of bad, but but only because of the conference they play in. Now, having said that, I don't think this is the conference division that they play in. Yeah. I don't think this is the division game that, that gets uh, – gets yeah. usurped right like it's the it's the falcons and the and the saints not the uh not the bucks at 11 well and they already uh, despite had their, the fact that it's at home yeah and they already had their chance at the interim head coach game too where you get that little bit of juice because the head coach is gone and it did not go well for them against a bad rams offense yeah against like, an offense and with against probably the worst offensive line in football right now current uh, <laughs> you know this season in terms of where people are at with injuries and whatnot yeah, well not um, to give you a run for their money uh, so yeah, but yeah I, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> you're right. I'm gonna take Tampa Bay. Yeah, me uh, too. Because I, I don't know if Carolina's gonna score a point in this game. Um see, that was a classic example of overthinking a game. Don't do what I did. <laughs> Stick with your gut. Uh, all right, next also, up. Here. Also, the Panthers are like three and seventeen against the spread in their last 20. So <laughs> good to know. Um <laughs> hey, uh, ne- up next we have the New York football giants at five and one. Three point underdogs against the Jaguars. Even Vegas doesn't like the Giants. <laughs> and again, this is one of those situations where I'd say, hey, remember, Vegas is smarter than us. We talked about that at the top of the pod. Vegas gets shit right. They know things we don't. Um, however, it, the Giants have been really good and really well coached. And if they had a letdown game against the Jags, it would make sense. But the Jags haven't looked good since the second quarter against Philadelphia in week four. So I don't know who the Jags are yet because the last two weeks, I mean, look, the Jags almost pulled that game out against Indianapolis and they played a lot better. They ran the ball well, 
but a three point favorite against a team that's five and one. Did you see the second half stats for Dayball and the Giants in their no. last three games? He outscored. It was or no this season. He's outscored Vrabel, um, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, and um, Matt Lafleur in the second half, like fifty six to nineteen, and the Eagles. Well, the Giants haven't played the Eagles yet, so um, <laughs> nice try, nice try. Um, but against those three coaches, Lafleur, Harbaugh, and Mike Vrabel outscored them 56 to 19 in the second half that's a crazy point differential for just the second half against three really well coached like if you're just talking about teams that are well coached Vrabel's at the top of that list Harbaugh's at the top of that list Lafleur's at the top of that list all those guys are top 10 coaches in terms of like their teams are always well coached and yet Dayball had his team out coached he out coached all those guys in the second half and had his team better prepared I love Dougie P, and this does feel like a classic Dougie P and the Jags break something out of nowhere, but I can't take those three points. I'm taking the Giants. Ah, man, get out of my brain. I'm so with you, man, because, like, first of all, it's disrespectful to decide that uh, the Jack the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 2-4 and four against the spread this year, are going to be a three-point home favorite against – Against a five and one team, I don't care who you are. Separate all all the the names and, and and the fact that New York has been terrible over the last couple of years. They're five and one, and they're five and one for a reason, and it's because of their coach, uh, in large part. It's because Saquon's back and Saquon's healthy, and, and that's a big part of it. Look, the Jags gave up a ton of yards on the ground last week. Their defensive line has looked putrid since that week two that you refer uh, week four that you referred to. Uh, against the against the Eagles, and, and I, I'm just I'm I'm not a fan of of you know the three points is a pick'em essentially, and that usually is just because it's a home team. But I don't yeah. like it. Like I, I it it smells like a rat. It smells like a trap game. Uh, and, and I'm all over the Giants too. And this is my prop bet of the week as well. Oh, for as much as got? I just dog the uh, for as much as I just dog the Jaguars. I think that. Uh, I'm going to take my my prop bet as the the team total over for the Jaguars at 22 and a half. Mm. They're five and one in team total overs this season so far. So, oh wow, how about that? Um, team total over, and what's it? You said 22 and a half. 22 and a half, yeah. All right, Scotty's on the board with his. We'll get to mine in a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean the other big thing with Jacksonville too is uh, Lawrence hasn't looked the same since. Um, the game against the Chargers. I mean, he what looked, is that? He, like, he looked good against Washington. He looked good against Indy. He looked great against the Chargers. He started off okay, but he's had the four fumbles against Philly. And ever since then, he looked terrible against Houston. He looked okay against Indy. He wasn't the problem. But that offense was moving because of their ability to run the ball. And Indy's defense is significantly worse than the Giants. Um, and... and I don't know. I mean, I know it's it's a, gotten a little bit cold in the Northeast, but I don't think going – I mean, maybe going down to the Jacksonville heat is going to affect it a little bit. Like, we'd say that same thing with Miami. But I don't know, man. I just don't I – don't, I don't see it. The Giants have been too well coached. They are definitely due for a letdown game. The Giants are, right? With a with a first-year head coach, I don't care how well coached you are, Dable, like, they're going to make mistakes to point this year. They're not talented enough to overcome – mistakes so basically they've been playing flawless perfect football in the second half of all these games 
that streak just won't continue. Like math, like statistically, it's not, it's never happened in the NFL. Definitely not for a first year head coach. So at some point, this team is going to fall back to earth a little bit. Daniel Dime, Danny Dimes. I almost said Daniel Dimes. Daniel Dimes. That's what his mom calls. I feel him. like he has a Daniel mustache Dimes. with. Yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah. the Monopoly Man. Daniel Dan- Dimes. Dan- is the- <laughs> Daniel Dimes is like the prep school quarterback in a bad high school football movie. <laughs> You know. <laughs> who gets subbed out for the uh for the yeah. average joe kid who's trying yeah. to make it to college yeah yeah 100%. exactly yeah that's daniel dimes um but no i uh I, yeah i i like the giants here i just don't want to i don't like the three points like and i'm shocked mm-hmm. that the giants are not favored in this game or that it's not it's not closer like if it was like jacksonville minus one and we're going to get to the craziest line i think of the week which is um was it Denver and the Jets and the Denver's a one point favorite in that game, which I think is nuts. But if it was a line like that, where it was Jacksonville minus one, then at least I would, I could see yeah, it. I would I entertain it. I don't see it for this game. So all right, no. we're both on the giants there. Let's move on now. Browns Ravens. This is the last game from the early window. We'll take a quick break after this. Baltimore is a six and a half point favorite in this game. Baltimore needs a get right game really really badly the browns i think this is more of what we because the browns were frisky there in the first like month of the season they've lost two in a row the game against the pats last week and then who do they was it atlanta they lost to the week before um yes so two in a row that the the browns have dropped they've lost three in a row actually sorry it was atlanta then it was the chargers and then it was new england after starting off two and one the, the team we've seen – and now, look, it was 23-20 to 20 against Atlanta, 38-28 to 28 against the Chargers. The first time they really got worked this year was against New England, so credit to them other than that. But, again, this is the same team that won by two points against Carolina in opening week. Um, lost the one point to the Jets, and then they beat the, the Steelers. I, I think this is way more the version of Cleveland that we expect, right, the, the version that has not been um, all that great. However, they can run the ball. Baltimore's defense has struggled against the run this season. Uh, Lamar obviously is a huge X factor in this game, but who are they throwing to? I, I still don't know. And again, Mark Andrews. We, well, we know Mark Andrews, but other than Mark <laughs> Andrews, who are they throwing to? I mean, Duvernay had two touchdowns week one. We saw a, a few guys. I mean, Rashad Bateman had the big touchdown week one. And I said this last week is my justification against the giants that it was like, they're due for a big blowout game. Like, the Ravens, since Lamar has been there, like every like four weeks or so, there's a game where the Ravens just put up like 35 points, 35 to 45, somewhere in that neighborhood, and blow a team out. This game's in Baltimore. Uh, I think the Browns at this point, I feel like they've maxed out whatever they're going to get from Jacoby Brissett. So I don't see them being able to throw the ball well. I think the Ravens sell out against the Blitz. Uh, I'm, I don't want to – I'm going to take Baltimore minus six and a half because – I got burnt by them last week because I thought it was going to be a blowout. It was a similar line against the Giants. I think it was five and a half last week against the Giants. Um, yeah, five and a half. So I'm going to stick with it because similar with my Green Bay thing, I do think Baltimore gets it right, and I think they blow out uh, the Browns here. That's wild. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do think uh, you're right. They do need to get right. Have you seen the the like the the margins of of games that they're leading that they've lost that are there three losses this year? It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like the time right? of possession that they had, like, or the time, the amount of time in a game that they were winning versus losing. It's like, yeah, they've been leading for like 85% of the games yeah. that they've lost. 
Yeah, classic Carbaugh. So I'm going with the Browns because they're going to be able to run the shit out of the ball. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, they're going to be able to run all over these guys. Uh, like this defensive line, for as good as it was last year for Baltimore, ha- has no identity yet this year. None. Uh, and, and their defense is their secondary is banged up, uh, and they're and they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, the the one thing that uh, uh, that Baltimore's offense too has struggled with is good defensive lines. We saw that in the Miami game. We saw that in the Buffalo game, and we saw it last week against the New York Giants, uh, who were able to to do enough to make Lamar think twice about what he's doing back there. Uh, and I think that continues this week against because that's the strength right now of this Browns defense is their defensive line. So uh, hmm. I'm going to take the Browns to to be able to to replicate uh, the the past couple of weeks for Lamar. Um, and the Browns to be able to run well enough on offense to to win the ball game. All right. So yeah, other I mean, or at least get part, close. Sorry. <laughs> but all but two we've agreed on through the first eight games we've picked. We'll see if that changes on the other side. Quick break. We'll be right back. Four o'clock games, Eastern Time, second slate of windows here in the NFL, plus our five games to pick in college football. Up first. Uh, we have two 405 Eastern time starts the Jets at the Broncos and the Texans at the Raiders. I mentioned this in the first half. Uh, Denver minus one against the Jets is crazy considering how bad this Broncos offense has been and how good the Jets defense has looked. I don't know if the Broncos are going to score a point in this game. And I don't, I think the Jets defense has been good, but I don't know if they're that good. Um, and yet I still think they might shut this Denver team out. That's how bad this offense has been. Like they're ranked in the top 10 in a ton of metrics uh, defensively. And so they're, they're basically graded out as like the number five off defense in, in all of the NFL, but I still don't love this jets team. Got to remember the comeback crazy win against uh, with Joe Flacco against Cleveland. I mean, like, and, and I know Zach Wilson, since Zach Wilson's been back, they're two and zero, right? So they haven't lost yet with Zach Wilson back at the helm, but he hasn't looked and like anything special. Uh, but they can run the ball, and Denver's defense is really good too. So the over under is the lowest of the week here, thirty eight points to over under. But D- Denver, I don't know. I don't think there's is it an Iowa game. <laughs> it's what it feels like, man. I think I'd rather watch an <laughs> Iowa game. But I'm curious to see because I will say, but with Sertan, he's going to take out at least half of the field right off the bat. I mean, he's, he is that good. And that means Zach Wilson's going to have a really tough time throwing the ball. And I feel like with having Sertan out there, Denver can just load up the box. Like if they were able to slow down Justin Herbert, what are they going to be able to do against Justin Fields? But if you're this Denver team, it's just got to be harder and harder each week to get up for these games. And I feel like that's what we're going to have here. So the jets four and two, I think they get it to five and two. I, I think they win this game. I don't know why Denver's favored in any game right now. Um, obviously it's pretty much a pick them at this point. So yeah, I'm going to take the jets. Dude, I'm with you and we need to stop picking the same games because that's usually a recipe for disaster. You're you're doing better than me. So maybe that's a good thing (laughs) for you. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and here's how this started out. I I logged into our, uh, like I said earlier, behind the scenes, we, uh, we, we have a sheet that, that tracks all of this stuff. Uh, and I logged in to see that uh, the one game Vito had picked was the Saints, and I picked the Cardinals, and I've done everything opposite ever since. So I was like, you know what? I'm going off. Uh, and uh, no offense, Vito. I love you, buddy. Uh, but uh, look, the Broncos minus one at home. Like, the defense is good, but it's not good enough to stop 
uh, what New York has been able to do offensively. Like, look, def- Denver's defense is going to be able to shut down uh, maybe some of the some of the outside uh, uh, passing that uh, that is has been good for the Jets uh, with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore uh, and others. And so, uh, where do you turn in that event? Well, you turn to Brees Hall, who's been able to catch the ball effectively out of the backfield. You turn to Michael Carter, who's been a able to catch the ball effectively out of the backfield. And that's the sort of thing that sort of decimates uh, an offense a little bit. And at one point, like, I don't know what we're talking about here. This is Jets all day. Yeah. Well, I think, look, I think both offenses are going to play bad. Like, I think the Broncos defense is going to be able to sell out pretty hard and against the run and let Sertan match up against Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore or Corey Davis and kind of shut them down. But overall, this is going to be one of those like nine to six games. So it is totally feasible that the Broncos win this game. It's not totally crazy. I think it's weird that the Broncos are favored given the way both teams have played. But to me, it comes down to, and I can't believe in 2022 I'm saying this, do I like the Jets offense against a good Broncos defense or the Broncos offense against a good Jets defense? And honestly, I think I like the Jets offense against that defense a little bit more. So I'm going to just go with that. And I'll tell you what the the other thing too that sticks out to me is the fact that if if you're if it comes down to it, at one point, the Jets have one of the best kickers in the National Football League, Greg Galeg, Greg Zerline. Uh, a little controversial, obviously, last year, but he's he's money, right? And so if it comes down to it, you need a game winning field goal. Uh, that's a good guy to 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 have to to cover that one. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, McManus is also a really good kicker too. Oh yeah, no and doubt. And they're in Denver, so like yeah, that's, say, yeah. that helps a lot too with the extra distance, um, high altitude, all that stuff. It's real. And McManus is more accustomed to kicking there than Zerline, but two really good kickers. So yeah, this probably will come down to a field goal, um, which means more than likely, uh, if you're if you pick Denver, you're probably going to cover or at least push if, ben, if Denver wins. Um, yeah. so fuck it. I'll just take the point. Right. I mean, it's one point, so you're not really getting yeah. all that much, but Hey, Oh God, I picked the jets and the giants again. No. So did I. So did I. Oh no. This is the that's, world, this is the world we live in. I just can't believe if you had told me at the start of this year that you would be picking Zach Wilson to have a better game than Russell Wilson in the same game. Uh, I mean, look, I was low on Russ. I didn't think Russ was going to be this bad. But this is now three weeks in a row, and I and I've talked about this on the pod before. I hate when people screenshot a play and they're like, "Look how open this guy is," because yeah. it because <laughs> nine times out of ten, the it, it is like when you watch the play, either someone's moving the opposite direction than they look like, or it's way closer than you think, or it's, or, it's or the closing bang. speed is like. Yeah. Or someone's like, and it's run. not like, yeah, exactly. The three screenshots, though, from Russell Wilson, I watched the plays. Like, I went back and watched them or watched them happen live. And all three are legitimate in that Russ just missed wide open guys that would have picked up touchdowns, first downs. Russ is just not seeing the field in this offense, well, which is the, the offense the, that he designed. And yeah, the drive that, that they could have won with the touchdown pass, uh, when KJ Hamler was like wide open over the middle, that was yeah. a, what was a Monday night game. That a was a couple yeah, weeks ago. That was the game against, um, was it the Seattle? No, it was Chargers. It was the Thursday night game, right? Oh, yeah, whatever. Either way, yeah, because uh, remember, I Richard, was just yeah, pointing Richard out Sherman an example. Was, yeah, Richard Sherman <laughs> was on the, um, and also we should all be thankful that we don't have another Broncos game in prime time. Um, 
Well, we have them in London. There's been three already. Halloween weekend, they're in London. So I guess that's technically prime time. Uh, and then December, they are uh, Sunday night against the Chiefs. So we only have two more primetime games where we're going to be forced, which even still in December, that one probably will get That's going to get flexed. That one's probably <laughs> yeah. going to get flexed. So hopefully we're done watching them in, in primetime. Plus, Sorry, everyone forgets. Love everyone, you, buddy. Uh, I know, but yeah, you know, hate to say I told you so, but. Uh, all right, so we're both uh, rolling with the Jets on that one. Next up, the Texans and the Raiders. Raiders offensively have been good. Uh, they've been a, a tale of you know two halves in pretty much every game. There's only been one game where they've played a complete game. They were up 17 points against the, the Chiefs on that Monday night game last time we saw them because they were on a bye last week. They blow that lead. The Chiefs come back to win, so we know this team can put up points. Uh, the Texans have kept every single game close this year. Uh, right, and, and unless I'm missing a game, I, I don't believe they've been blown out in a no, single yeah. game this year. Uh, they tie, yeah, they tie 2020 against Indy. They lose by seven to Denver in that awful game. Uh, field goal to Chicago. They lost by ten to the Chargers, but that was a like a four point game or, or a three. It was a three point game uh, with like two minutes left, and the Chargers broke off a last second touchdown. So that game was a lot closer than the score appears. And then they, uh, they lose or they win by seven against the Jags. So every single game this year for them has been tightly contested uh, playing at least one good team in in the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And now we see them go up against the Raiders here. Um, honestly, like, I just kind of want to take the points because I just don't trust the Raiders. I don't trust Mike or Josh McDaniels. I don't trust Derek Carr. I never have trusted Derek Carr. Uh, they are force feeding the ball to Devontae. Both these teams coming off of buys, by the way, which doesn't help either team, right? They're both kind of coming at it from the same perspective. Uh, I, I like Houston, I think, to cover because they've kept every single game close with the, again, and they probably should have covered against, um, the chargers and the chargers had like a 60 yard touchdown pass to Austin Eckler. Um, that kind of broke the game open. So I'll take, give me Houston, you know, Houston's defense is frisky and the Raiders uh, have had a tendency to blow leads all season. So uh, I like Houston. Now in the interest of making this interesting, <laughs> I, my gut said Texans too. Mm -hmm. uh, for all of those reasons, not the least of which is the fact that they're really good against the spread. Like they have been for, for years. This is not a secret in the betting world. Uh, get amongst it folks. Uh, and, and I think that they have enough in the tank. Uh, look, Max Crosby can wreck a line uh, and, and be able to stuff your run game. Uh, Damian Pierce has just ripped off three really good games uh, and, and then went into a bye week. Does that stop the momentum? It could, especially when you run into a brick wall like like Damian Pierce. So I'm talking myself out of it. I'm going to, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, run into a brick wall like Max Crosby uh, with Damian Pierce. So I'm going to talk myself out of it. I'm reluctantly. I'm going to take the Raiders. I hate them this year. They're terrible. Derek Carr is terrible. All they're doing is trying to get the ball to to Devontae Adams. You're right, and it's different. You know. When you're Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game, uh, and trying to throw the ball to Devontae Adams with with actual like intellectually smart plays, uh, and then just trying to force feed him, right? Yeah. With no other support around him, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but Scott Matt dude, Collins they is played like, together okay. at, they played together at Fresno State. That means oh, I know, like the yeah. best teammates Bulldogs. ever, right? That yeah, means they're 100%. like gonna be coming and be unbelievable, right? 
Um, I, I I hate this pick, but I'm yeah, going to be the, the contrarian and take the Raiders. Yeah. Well, if I can offer one I last, I hope I lose. Honestly, <laughs> if I can offer one last piece of of statistics that maybe will change your mind, um, and I'll give you the opportunity to switch back if you want it. But Max Crosby, so Max Crosby has six sacks uh, on the season so far. He's tied for second in the NFL, or sorry, tied for the lead in the NFL in sacks. Um, as a team, the Raiders have eight total sacks. So Max Crosby has six of the eight total (laughs) sacks. This team cannot generate pressure. They are the worst interior graded as the worst interior defensive line in all of the NFL, which is a great thing for Damian Pierce. Uh, Yes. They have Denzel Perriman who can fly around the field. And and I think led the league in tackles last year. He had like 160. It was crazy. Um, But then again, Alex Singleton finished third in the league in tackles last year. And we all know how terrible of a linebacker he is. Uh, despite actually playing decent as a backup the other night um, for Denver, I I think Den I think Houston's gonna be able to run the ball, um, and I think they're gonna and also you're actually gonna give Davis Mills at least a little bit of time because this team does not generate pressure that he shouldn't be horrified going up and and seeing you know spotlights every single time he drops back to pass. But at the same time, that Raiders offense is so explosive. I know they're force feeding Devontae, but Darren Wallace can be big plays can be. Mac Hollins is a really good deep threat, apparently. And uh, you have Hunter Renfro there as a decent slot receiver. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next up, Seahawks Chargers. Chargers are minus six. And I love Justin Herbert. Uh, they're going up against a bad, bad defense in Seattle. Mike Williams is healthy, amazingly, through six weeks of the season, which means he's probably going to get hurt this week. Keenan Allen is supposed to come back this week. Um, they have found ways to get the offense going with guys like Austin Eckler, which when we've seen um, like Atlanta go up against Seattle, Cordell Patterson was a huge part of that. Uh, obviously very different body types, but serve very similar functions. I think this is a, a game where the Chargers finally look like the offense we expected, even without Rashawn Slater. There's no one on that Seahawks defensive line that scares me as a one-on-one pass rusher. Uh, and Charles Cross has been – I was completely wrong about Charles Cross. I thought he was going to be uh, the bust of the offensive lineman. Uh, he's played phenomenal football. So, you know, hand up, credit where credit's due. He's been unreal. Starting two rookie tackles, and their weakest part in the offensive line is the interior offensive line. Um, no one really scares me on that Seahawks defensive line. Uh, and then for the Chargers side, yeah, Zion Johnson's been playing really good as the rookie left guard. But at the same time, I think the Chargers defense gets better. I think the offense puts up a lot of points. Um, and at least J.C. Jackson will hopefully take away one of DK and or Tyler Lockett. The Seahawks and Geno have to come down to earth at some point. Um, so I'm going to take the Chargers here minus six. I think they get the job done. I think they put up a lot of points. Um, and I think this is a bit of a snooze fest game in the afternoon. Scotty, Bueller. Are we missing? Did we lose you, Scotty? Yeah, I'm. So I'm going to take the oh, Seahawks. Uh, this is a game to me that seems like, um, it seems like Pete Carroll can roll in and uh, and say, "Yeah, you might be better than me. You might be. Uh, you might be getting healthy, uh, but my team's scrappy, and and I'm going to roll in and uh, and upset you guys." Like the the secondary has looked. As good as they've been since uh, since the Legion of Boom broke up, uh, and, and I think that they're they're going to be able to and be up to the task of 
of defending these wide receivers, uh, especially Keenan Allen over the middle. It's going to be a lot of like what I said, uh, Justin Herbert being able to to get the ball out on time on target uh, w- within two 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 and a half seconds. Uh, and so I think Seattle. It pains me to do this. I took the Raiders in Seattle in in back to back ATS picks. It's I hate myself, uh, but happening? I'm going to take. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I just feel, I mean, I like, trust me, my gut instinct was to take Seattle, but it feels like they have a come, like a come down from earth at some point, right? Similar to the Giants. Like they've played so above their pedigree um, from base, just based off of talent alone. I feel like they have to come back at some point. Um, All right. Next up here, we have the Kansas City Chiefs visiting your San Francisco 49ers. Scotty, the Chiefs, two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, how are we feeling going up against Patty Mahomes? What's the defensive situation looking like with injuries and whatnot? Do we have Bosa back? Do well, we have some of the other guys back? They're supposed to get healthy. Um, yeah, they're supposed to get healthy. A lot of the defense is coming back. Bosa's supposed to come back. Traverius Ward's supposed to come back. Um, and uh, and on offensive line, uh, uh, we're supposed to get Trent Williams back as well. So uh, I, I like it. Um, this one's tough for me. I left this one blank uh, because you know this is these are my guys. But uh, you know what I saw defensively last week against uh, and granted, look, we've talked well about uh, about Atlanta's offense and what they've been able to put together this year. Um, but you know, as banged up as we get, and as good as the Chiefs looked against a really good defense last week, I, I don't know that we're we're even in the same ballpark right now. Uh, like it doesn't seem even close. And, and again, this is a pick em, uh, home dog. Uh, we'll, we'll usually show up for those. Um, so I'm going to again, reluctantly take the Niners <laughs> just because those are my boys. Uh, but two and a half, but Mahomes, man, like this is a revenge game for Jimmy Garoppolo. Show me that you can make the pass against the chiefs defense. Do it. Like, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the interesting thing about this game is both teams are coming off of disappointing losses, very different losses. Uh, The Chiefs coming off of that heartbreaker against Buffalo, which, you know, given where Buffalo was or where Kansas City was and and the importance of that game and what it's going to mean, they know they have to win every single game. They know they're going up against a really good team. And San Francisco just got fucking punched in the mouth by an Atlanta team that is frisky and fun, but we don't look at Atlanta as like, Hey, Atlanta is this really good team that is going to scare people. That's going to be, you know, up at, and maybe sneaks in as a wild card, but it's not going to be a, a legitimate contender. So, you know, the San Francisco is going to have a bounce back game. So she'd be in back home. Uh, and, but at the same time, I think Kansas city is looking to do the exact same thing. Kansas city, I feel like is going to be revved up here. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're quite in the same stratosphere offensively however the san francisco defense when they're healthy is probably a top three defense in the nfl and i look at guys like and and i'm looking at the injury report now trent williams uh limited participant in practice uh jimmy ward limited participant uh chavarius ward limited eric armstead did not practice uh nick bosa limited participant right so all these guys are going to be um are, are all going to be in general like game time decisions it kind of feels like and granted these are all for well, wednesday and, so they and have part a thursday of that might and a friday be practice the, but 
I don't know. I, I feel like we're not going to see quite the same San Francisco defense that we've seen, but I do think they'll be better than they were against Atlanta. Yeah, part of, part of the injury report, too, might be the fact that they're like trying to withhold a little bit from uh, from the Chiefs to see what, they, what they're going to get. But, you know, those things are always so touch and go in the NFL. But we'll see. Hopefully, it, it, I'd love to see a healthy, you know, battle between these two. Uh, because I think w- when the chips are down, when everybody's healthy, I think they are two of the better teams in the NFL, two of the top five teams in the NFL. Um, but, you know, the, like I said, the fact that we had seven defensive players, the defensive starters not healthy uh, and, and not playing last week was a yeah. huge part of why we lost. And I think they'll uh, get they'll get some of them back. I don't know if they're going to get enough that they'll be able to slow down Kansas City, yeah. but at the same time, I don't think so. This leads me to my prop bet of the week, which for me, I'm taking the under in this game, uh, right? And I hate going for you know the under, but unders are Chiefs like, under. Wow, <laughs> I know it seems crazy, but I I believe over unders this year are like 58 and 30 or 58 and like 32 on the season with a couple of uh a couple of uh, pushes there as well. So what's the number? 48 and a half. Oh, wow. Which is a pretty high number. You know, like the Seahawks Chargers at 50, and I contemplated doing that, but I, I don't think both defenses are, are, are particularly good. I do think the Chiefs win. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover the two and a half. Um, but I think this is going to be like a 24-17 kind of lower scoring game because um, I think the, the Niners defense is going to do a good job of slowing Mahomes down enough, but I do just think Kansas City is a better football team. And they're healthier, which plays a huge part in that too. Um, so I'm taking Kansas City under 48 and a half. Um, so those are our prop bets. You have uh, Giants total team, or sorry, the Jacksonville total team over at 22 and a half. Uh, I have Kansas City under uh, 48, Kansas City, San Francisco under 48 and a half. Uh, that leaves us with our Sunday night game, Steelers, Dolphins. Um, yuck. Why is this Sunday night? This sucks. Um, it's an, it's another week of Teddy Bridgewater, um, which I guess he'll have a full week of preparation. So maybe they'll look better, but the Dolphins are a seven point favorite in this game. And I know the Steelers just came off of a huge win against Tampa Bay, but I don't know if the Steelers should be that concerned with this Miami offense right now. I mean, obviously you can't get beat over the top, but without Tua, and I know we were debating how good we think Tua is, um, I don't know. I mean, there is a chance. Actually, 22 minutes ago, there was a report that came out. This might have been breaking news since we started. Um, Tagovailoa returns as Dolphins seek turnaround versus Steelers. Maybe. To a, yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. The quarterback will make his first start Sunday since suffering concussion against the Bengals. So it looks like two is going to be back. Maybe that's why this line jumped to seven points. Um, wow. There we go. How about that? Breaking news in the middle of the pod. Does that change the way you feel about this game? Well, that it's the reason that I would take the Dolphins uh, in this game is because they they're they're monsters against the spread when uh, when he's in and like I I think what the difference with him on offense like we saw last week the for the first time Teddy Bridgewater kind of explode uh, with with this offense and moving the ball around. It wasn't just uh, Tyreek and. Uh, and uh, Jalen Waddle, it was Gasicki who had a, a touchdown and and a and a and a good game. It was 
uh, River Craycraft, who who has shown up at times for two and two as well. Um, so I think the the fact that that two is in uh, only helps the offense get better, uh, despite the uh, the the amount of uh, of wealth that was shared and the continuity that was had when when two was not in. I think that only takes a step forward. Uh, this year is my point. Or so you're, so you're taking Miami points. minus seven? Yeah, I, I'm going to take a minus seven. Because look, at the end of the day, the Steelers' offense is what it is. Like, Trubisky was not great in the in the games he played. And it took two really long third-down conversions uh, against a Tampa Bay defense who was just, like, probably over it uh, in that game uh, for for Tampa Bay to, to, to pull – or for Pittsburgh to pull out the win last week. Uh and so it, it, I, I'd be foolish to to sit here and tell you that, well, hey, the Steelers are back. Yeah. Uh, Watch out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, touchdown. Uh, that's that's easy. Like with the with the two weapons that that Ty, or that Tua has in Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, that's that's easy. Plus, I mean, what else does he have uh, beyond that? And Raheem Mostert's yeah. been running well, too, uh, with two out. So I, I think that adds a, another element of dynamicism to this offense. Uh, for for the Dolphins, and I and I think they'll be able to cover. Well, it's interesting too because uh, Pickett left the game last week with a concussion. Full participant Wednesday and Thursday in practice. However, we don't know where he stands in terms of concussion protocol. It means good things that he's practiced fully for two days in a row. So I would predict that I think Kenny Pickett ends up playing, which ultimately might end up being the decision here as to whether or not I would pick. Uh, Pittsburgh or Miami. However, for the same reason that you're taking the Dolphins because two is back is the same reason why I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Um, we saw the reason Skylar Thompson started uh, last week was because of um, Mike McDaniel's rules about his quarterbacks, where he only wants quarterbacks to uh, he only wants quarterbacks to start when they've practiced and run like he's it's a big thing for him for the quarterback to be there every single day in practice but obviously Tua is a big step up over Jacoby Brissett so it makes sense that in this case they want Jacoby Brissett to ultimately uh said that they want Tua to start because he is more talented than Jacoby Brissett but he has not had the full week of practice he just fully practiced uh yesterday so short practice time coming off the injury kind of getting thrown to the wolves here against a really good defensive front. As we've learned um, for Pittsburgh, who did well against a banged up Tampa Bay offensive line last week, the secondary played really, really well against Tom Brady. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take the points. I think Pittsburgh does a good enough job here. It's Sunday night football. I think it's going to be an ugly game um, or Miami's going to score a million points. and I'm going to look like an idiot, but I'm, I'm going to take Pittsburgh Pickett, I believe will play and Tua coming off having not really practiced most of the week. Uh, I think will hurt him. I also think he's going to be incredibly rusty. I think two is going to throw a couple picks. I think Pittsburgh gets the job done uh, in Miami. Um, so yeah, with that, let's move on. Let's go to the last game that we got here. Um, we got the bears and the Patriots Monday night football. Pats are seven and a half point favorites at home. I mean, what bill Belichick, the torture chamber he's about to put Justin Fields in is going to be mean and unfair. Uh, the Patriots have really figured some shit out on defense, despite not having a ton of marquee talent. They are really good. They're really well coached. Not surprising for a Belichick-led team, but still credit where credit is due. 
And the Bears defense isn't great. I mean, look, they got Roquan Smith to worry about. But other than that, I think they'll be able to throw or run the ball. And it leaves us with the same thing, right? If Zappy plays, which I, it's still up in the air as to whether it's him or Mac Jones, we probably won't know till Sunday. Either way, I feel pretty good about both of them uh, going up against this secondary. But if it's Zappy, this seems like a kind of like a perfect just roll into the next game and let's get going. You know, like it seems like it's a pretty good situation for Bailey Zappy to step in against a bad secondary, against the, a, a, a decent defense, at least in some regards, but a defense that I think he'd be able to take advantage of, especially considering what he did against Cleveland. Like, I don't think the Bears defense is all that much better than Cleveland's, maybe a little bit, but not substantially. So seven and a half, it seems like a lot, but I just, I don't see the Bears scoring any points. Um, the Patriots right now, uh, we know Foxborough is a tough place to play and the bears are zero three on the road so far this year. So uh, I don't think the bears get a chance. The bears, if it's good weather in San Francisco or in, in Chicago week one, the bears are probably one in five right now. Um, but they get that sloppy win. And what was the other one that the bears had? Houston. Was it Houston? Yeah, it was Houston. You're right. So. <laughs> Excuse me. Damn, that was a powerful sneeze. Um, so I'm gonna take New England. Minus seven and a half. All that's yeah, me too. That Damian Harris is big... supposed to come back this week. He was back at practice today. Yeah. Um <clears throat> supposed to be full. Um, and even if you don't have him, Ramon J. Stevenson's just as good catching the ball out of the backfield as uh as any other of the of the running backs in that core. So I think, you know, they'll 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 be able to attack them in different ways, whether it's Bailey Zappi being able to throw the ball to to Jacoby or, or Devontae Parker. Or uh, or being able to run the ball or utilize one of your running backs out of the backfield. Seven and a half is a lot for sure, but you know the the way that the the Bill Belichick Patriots defense played last week against this offense, it's it's not dynamic. They're not going to throw the ball. They're going to make it tough to run the ball uh, with David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. So I'm with you on the Patriots as well. All right, both of us are on New England. Let's go over our college games of the week before we wrap up the pod here. Uh, we're going to start off. We have five games this week. Look, the, the the matchups are nowhere near as good as they were last week. However, the Big 12 has a huge weekend here between four teams all in the top 25, and that's going to end up determining a lot of stuff. Uh, we have a big ACC matchup that I'm telling you now is going to be a disappointment. Uh, and then arguably the biggest game – in the Pac-12 that we have this year. so uh, And we're going to throw in a uh, SEC game in there as well. So let's start with that SEC game. Ole Miss at LSU. Uh, is L- LSU's not in the top 25, right? Are they? No, they're not. No, unranked right now. That's, that's what I thought. So an unranked LSU team uh, hosting Ole Miss. Do we know? It's got to be a night game, right? Uh, no, it's a 330. Wow. In the history of LSU's program, I think there's I think there's only been like 26 home day games before this because the one against well Tennessee, uh, well that's what I'm saying that Tennessee was like the 25th, yeah, or the 26th, and this this is going to be the 27th. Um, LSU is a two point favorite. It feels like LSU should win this game, right? As the upset, I mean they're obviously they're a two point favorite. I like this Ole Miss team a lot, and. LSU was kind of the litmus test for Tennessee too, where Tennessee went to LSU during the day and LSU got spanked and their offense didn't do anything. 
So we kind of realized that like, Hey, like LSU's offense isn't amazing, but it's not bad. It's just kind of middle of the road there for sec standards. If Ole Miss can slow them down and I think they're going to be able to move the ball comfortably like they have all year. You're going to give me Ole Miss, the number, what, nine team in the country right now? Seven. Number seven team in the country right now uh, on the road as a two-point underdog. Uh, I know LSU is a tough place to play, but it's not LSU at night. It's not Tiger Valley or Death Valley at night. So give me the uh, Ole Miss Rebels here. Interesting, yeah. Like, look, the two points at home says a lot about what Death Valley is, especially since it's not a night game. Uh it says about a lot about how tough of a place that is to play. Uh, like I, I'm going to give the advantage to LSU though this week because, uh, you know, for as bad as their their defenses looked, I think they they sort of figured a little bit out last week uh, in their game against Florida, despite giving up four five touchdowns. Uh, but I think they figured out a little bit last week, and I think their offense is good enough, um, not not great, but good enough to to keep them in the game. Uh, two-point favorite at home. I'm going to take LSU, who uh, after this week, bye, and then Alabama. So it's not necessarily a look-ahead. Uh, so they, they've got a little bit of cushion in between. So uh, I, I if it were back-to-back, I would definitely take Ole Miss because this is a classic like trap game look-ahead um, if it's uh, for LSU, if, if that's the case. But with the bye week after this, uh, I'm going to take LSU uh, with the points. All right, there it is. Uh, let's move on to... Sorry, what I have next on, on our list. Uh, Syracuse at Clemson. Uh, Syracuse, a, a fun story this year in college football. Um, however, and I'm going to pull their schedule up here in a second because we, we transitioned kind of quick there. Syracuse has played nobody. Nobody. And you can look at it and say, hey, yeah, but Jeff, they beat, uh, they beat NC State last week. NC State, you picked them to win the ACC. Yeah, and their quarterback, Devin Leary, is now done for the year, who Devin Leary is one of the top five to ten quarterbacks in the country. They beat Louisville 31-7. Louisville's terrible. They beat UConn. UConn's horrible. Their only good win was against Purdue, and even that was only a three-point win, and Purdue's not that good, and they were home against Purdue, and the Carrier Dome is a huge advantage. They won by two against UVA, who was awful. They played Wagner, who my, which is the school my sister went to, 2,000 people, and it's on long, it's on Staten Island. I'm telling you, that means nothing. Basically playing an FCS team. And then they beat NC State 24-9 to with no Devin Leary. They have played nobody. And I don't like saying that in college football because that's a commonly used argument for pretty much every good team is, oh, who'd they play? Who'd they play, right? Clemson – or sorry, Syracuse has literally played nobody. They've never the best defense they played was NC State's and they got held to 24 points, which is the second lowest output that they had all year, other than the game against UVA, which again, the UVA game was at home. They have to go to Death Valley, the other Death Valley, and take on Clemson. Clemson's a 13 and a half point favorite, and Clemson's gonna absolutely smack them in the face. Uh give me Clemson minus a 13 and a half all day. Yeah, I'm with you. This is a you know, it, it's hard to to compare Penn State football with with Syracuse, but it's kind of like the same sort of scenario we find ourselves in, right? Uh, uh, you know, I'm not talking about perennially, just year by year, right? We've we've played uh, relatively nobody. This is our first real tough game uh, for Syracuse, and uh, <laughs> what happened to Penn State last week when they played their first tough game? They got smacked in the mouth. Uh, so I expect uh, a similar 
uh, spot from Clemson. Clemson's defense hasn't been as good as as uh, as we thought they would be, as we talked about them in the preseason. Uh, but I think they're good enough to to you know beat a quarterback at, at Syracuse who's averaging like two thirty um, uh, a game uh, over this year. Twelve touchdowns, but still, but uh, you know I, I think Clemson has enough in the tank uh, on both sides of the ball to to, to win this one comfortably. No, I, I agree. Uh, all right, so we're both on Clemson there. Next up, we have number 20, Texas, going up against the 11th-ranked Oklahoma State Pokies. Um, this line is, in, is is really crazy, which is like I, I feel like I have to go back over some of my notes here and look at it because I have no idea why Texas is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in uh, Oklahoma which why am I bl- still water? Th- I said, thank you. As if somebody told me the answer still water. Um, this game makes no sense. Uh, Texas. Look, I know uh, Jack yours has been really good. Um, and he's Quinn come- yours. Sorry, Quinn yours. Where did I get Jack yours from Quinn yours has been good. Um, Hudson card has had to play a bunch for them too. And he's played really well, but Spencer Sandler Sanders so far this year, 120 of two of, of a 205 attempts for almost 1700 yards, 13 touchdowns and three interceptions. He's playing as well as anybody in the country. On the other side, you got B. John Robinson, who in my opinion is probably the best running back in college football, 138 carries, 780 yards and 10 touchdowns for this Longhorns team. He's been everything is advertised. That being said, six and a half points on the road. Texas almost lost to Iowa State last week. Right. Texas, I know they blew out Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's terrible. Um, they lost to Texas Tech by three. Oklahoma State beat Texas Tech by 10. Right. Uh, they destroyed uh, Arizona State. They have, they, and they almost beat TCU last week and arguably should have because they were up pretty big in that game. So no matter what, this is, if it's a game and if Texas ends up keeping it close, like, or ends up being really competitive against Oklahoma State, like, there's a really good chance that this is going to be a really tightly contested game. And if you're going to give the, the higher ranked team, who's also the home team, six and a half points, maybe this is a rat line and maybe I'm falling for it, but this makes no sense. So I'm taking Oklahoma state, the fighting Garth Brooks, and we're going to roll with the pokies. Roll like the thunder. Like the uh, thunder uh, rolls. But- <laughs> yeah. Oh, I missed that. That was good. <laughs> but uh, look, I'm, I'm, I was with you. Uh, I think. And look, this is these are games that that uh, Mike Gundy has won time and time again. Uh, everyone's counting us out. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of this on game day because Kirk Herbstreit is all over them. Uh, a lot of them counting them out, uh, and still they're they're one of the top ten teams in the country. Uh, I think they're they're better it. this year than they've ever been, Oklahoma State. But look, six and a half is a lot. I I feel like there's a real shot that Texas. Uh, not only fighting for its season five and two, another loss is going to be detrimental uh, to them. So uh, to go into the road and still water a tough place to play as well. But I think Texas with Quinn Ewers, the helm gets the job done to cover the six and a half. Well, and they're both coming off of emotional games, but one of my favorite things to do when it comes to picking the spread in college football, take the team, take the team that the, sorry, when a team I'm going to, I'm going to get this right. When a team wins a huge emotional game, fade them the next week. So Texas, unbelievable comeback against Iowa State, huge win. 
you, we should fade them, right? Oklahoma State, double overtime, painful loss. That is either going to compound on itself or they're going to come out with their hair on fire. I think, like you said, Gundy is going to get them with their hair on fire. They still have a really good chance of making the playoffs. They have to win out to do it. Um, and they definitely are going to want revenge against TCU. This is a must win for Oklahoma State. Texas knows their playoff hopes are dead, but obviously they're still going to try to play spoilers. I'm still going to roll with Oklahoma State. You're taking the Longhorns. All right, next up, we have Kansas State, the other Big 12 matchup, going up against TCU, the number eight team in the country. Sonny Dykes in year number one doing a hell of a job with the Horn Frogs. Uh, right now, TCU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm going to use the same logic that I just used. When a team wins a really emotional, crazy game, big win in college football, fade them the next week. And Kansas State has played really solid, fundamental football all year. That's what Chris Kleiman has always been as a coach. They don't beat themselves. They can, they're can. they not like some crazy offensive team, right? They're averaging, if you look it up, they're averaging uh, 28.7 points per game. That's not that crazy in college football terms. Or you look at TCU, who's averaging almost 46 points a game. But this Kansas State defense allowing 16.7 points per game has been one of the best, if not the best, in the Big 12 all season. Plus, you have a team in TCU coming off that really emotional win. Those guys have been partying for the last three or four days, I promise you. And I'm taking Kansas State. Give me the Wildcats plus three and a half. I'm all in on the Wildcats. This is like my biggest lock of the year in terms of upset watching college football. It just I can feel it in my bones, which means, of course, TCU is going to win by 40. <laughs> by 40. And, and of course, look, this, this is a spot where uh, – you know, TCU has been before as a program, but not necessarily with the with the group that's there. Uh, and Kansas State is is fighting for a spot in the in, in the conversation. And I think to your point, the the fact that they've been so solid uh, and consistent across the board in college football that speaks volumes, man. You don't have to blow out everyone every game. Um, you don't have to you don't have to to win by by 30 against a, a weaker conference opponent and you don't have to only win by one or two against uh, a, a really tough ranked conference opponent as well um Chris Kleiman, this to me comes down to to the head coaching I love Sonny Dykes love what he did at Cal uh I love what he did at SMU and I love I love what he's doing at TCU but I think uh when you run numbers Chris Kleiman's three and0 against this TCU team uh and that speaks volumes uh, for him getting his guys ready to to, to play against his team. Uh, two of those games at home, by the way, which is where they're playing in Manhattan, uh, the of the Midwest uh, at least. And I'm going to take Kansas State with you, bud. Wow. All right, both on K State. That leaves us, and just like you know, the only the only conference in college football that cannibalizes itself more than the Big Twelve is the Pac-12. And we have a huge game for Pac-12 fans who want to see a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff this year. Uh, one of these two teams has a chance, but UCLA, number nine in the country, going up to Eugene to take on the number 10 Oregon Ducks. This is a fascinating game because if you just look at, like, the team stats across the board, they are the same football team, all right? Points per game, 41.5 UCLA, 42 for Oregon. Points allowed per game, 22.7 for UCLA, 28 for Oregon. Total yards of offense, 505 to 512. 
Yards passing, 294 to 275. Yards rushing, 211 to 241. Yards allowed, 344, 370. Pass yards allowed, 245, 275. Rush yards allowed, 99 to 98. They are almost identical in every single statistic, give or take, you know, 10 to 20 yards in each one of those. Right now, Oregon's a six-point favorite at home, and Eugene is one of the hardest places to play in America. And, and what's crazy is so many people don't think that it's a wild wild environment to try to play Oregon knows that their season's on the line uh UCLA DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson has been phenomenal uh, uh Chardonnay their running back is stud I love this UCLA team particularly because UCLA is doing not the opposite but has are, is built completely different than any Chip Kelly team beforehand where Chip Kelly took advantage of the new clock rules and the first down rules back when he first created that run-and-gun, crazy, fast, up-tempo offense in Oregon. And he's adjusted and created this team that ground and pounds, plays awesome defense. And you know Chip has never beaten Oregon since he's left. This is a huge, huge game. And if this team is legit, as legit as they've looked this year, this is a must-win for Oregon. Plus, I'm getting six points. I'm going to take UCLA to cover the spread. But I also have this weird feeling that Oregon comes in and just absolutely obliterates them. So I'm kind of torn, but I'm rolling with the Bruins because I do believe in, in DTR and Chardonnay. And I think this is one of the best backfields in college football. The offensive line can maul people and the defense has played well. So I like UCLA more than I like Oregon. Uh, and I think they get it done this weekend. Yeah, Chardonnay. You know where he's going up to in Oregon? Napa, it's wine country, baby. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I passed through Napa Valley. I was like, come on, how, what what dad joke are we getting here? <laughs> no, uh, too bad uh, he plays for UCLA. Uh, the thing is that the Ducks are going to, the Mighty Ducks are going to uh, come in and dominate this game. Look, they've been terrible. Not terrible, but they've been inconsistent on defense, uh, particularly on the defensive line. Um, they've shown spurts of of, of progress and, and continuity across that defense. Um, but I think this is going to be the first game where you get it. Uh, as as a complete unit, uh, mostly out of necessity, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, but and on offense, they've been consistent as it comes in uh, in college football. So I think those two things combined uh, an outburst for the Oregon defense to be able to stop some of the uh, the the powerful attack that UCLA has has uh, has given on offense. Uh, and I think the Ducks will cover this game. You want to? You know what the over under is? Uh, I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the 50s. 71 and a half. Oh, geez. Wow. 71 and a half. For a Pac-12 game, that's wild. That's big. This looks like, you know, mid-2000s. A shootout. Mid-2000s to 20-teens, Big 12 kind of a game with that line. 71 and a half. I mean, look, both teams are averaging over 40 points per game. Uh, And both defenses are playing pretty good. Uh, I think UCLA is a little bit better, but. Dan, or is it not Dan Manning? I did this at the beginning of the season too. Uh, the head coach at Oregon, who I'm going to call Dan Manning forever, even though I know it's not. Um, he's a defensive-minded guy. He led that Georgia defense for a long time. I know, I know they're really good, but Chip Kelly's got something moving there with UCLA. I think this is the year. I think UCLA might find themselves in the college football playoff. Well, and it could be a rematch too of the of the Pac-12 championship game. It's true. Um, this would be a fun because yeah, there's no more Pac-12 North and Pac-12 South this year. It's just the two best records. Yep, going Big 12 style, which I love. That's how every conference should be. That's how every conference should be. We'll see. 
Um, all right, that's all we have. Before we go, I will say uh, records so far this year. Scotty running away with the competition right now. Um, absolutely crushing it because he is super follow. Now he didn't pick any games in college football last week, so you know keep that in mind. Uh, Seventeen six and two against the spread in college. Scotty is this year, which is huge. Uh, Vito still has only picked I think two weeks of college football. Um, I'm now under 500 in college football, 17 and 19 and three. And then you look at the NFL side, Scotty's 48, 50 and three veto 22, 41 and three. I'm 42, 55 and three. So we're all struggling in the NFL, uh, leaving us overall Scotty 64, 50 and five veto is 26, 48 and three. And I'm 59, 74 and six. I'm 15 games below 500. Scotty is 14 games. You have a 29 point lead, but just like them, Philadelphia Phillies do not count us out. We're right around that point that Rob Thompson took over as manager. That's where my gambling season is right now, Scotty. All right. I'm Rob. Joe Girardi just got fired in my brain. And now the new Rob Thompson, he's in my brain and the Phillies, you know, win it all. Where's the part where Bryce Harper gets hurt. I don't know. That's my dignity, I guess, for right now. Uh, we'll see. We'll <laughs> Go see. Phillies. I, it's not a perfect analogy, all right? It's not a perfect analogy. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the football. Uh, enjoy the fall weather. I think I'm going pumpkin picking tomorrow, so we'll see. Everyone, be well. We love you all. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys on Tuesday to recap all of the action. For Scotty, I'm Jeff. Take it easy, everybody.